0: Hey, a couple of quick announcements before we begin. Jim and I are doing a two-hour live show in New York City on Saturday, November 12th at the Heartland Brewery on West 43rd Street in Times Square, this time without the Elmo costumes. The event starts at 11 a.m. and includes lunch. Jim and I are going to be talking about the history of unbuilt Disney attractions, from unbuilt hotels in Bay Lake to Spanish pavilions in Epcot, and a lot of strange and wondrous examples in between. Get more details at etccustomevents.com. This is our second live event. The first one sold out, and space is limited. Like the first one, etccustomevents did a great job on it in New York. Get all the details again at etccustomevents.com. Second, if you're interested in going to Walt Disney World sometime in the next year, Please try out our travel sponsor that we are testing out. That is Storybook Destinations, run by our friend Tammy Whiting, over at storybookdestinations.com/slash Disney Dish. Timmy's gonna help us do a live event in Walt Disney World in 2017. We want to make sure that everything works out for you guys, for her, and for us. With that, on with the show. Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Len Tester, your host. With me as always, one Mr. Jim Hill. Jim, how's it going?
1: Pictures, Len. I want to see the pictures. <laughs>
0: All right, Jim, so this is our second show for September. Before we get into our topic, which is super awesome, a couple of interesting things to talk about. One is there's a new refurbishment permit happening over at Coronado Springs. Looks like they're going to do most of the buildings around there. It looks to be This looks to be a soft goods refurbishment. It happens every seven years or so. But that reminds me, though, of the other huge refurbishment that's happening. And I don't think you and I have talked about this. The one that's going on at Pop Century.
1: Yeah. You were kind enough to share some imagery. Len and I have been trading baseball cards this week.
0: <laughs> there are a bunch of photos for which we cannot claim the sources out loud.
1: Well, first of all, you tell your photo story and then I'll tell my photo story.
0: Yeah, so I'm walking down the street one day here in Greensboro, North Carolina. I notice coming towards me this truck at a high rate of speed <laughs> and the truck's back door is open and stuff is flying out of the back. And I'm trying to wave down the truck driver to say, hey, you know, stuff is flying out of the back. Unfortunately, he just whizzes past me and this package falls at my feet. And in this package is a series of images, a series of photos. And coincidentally enough, they happen to be of the new test room Hard and soft goods, so the new beds and the furniture and the soft goods at Disney's Pop Century Resort. It's, it's a remarkable coincidence, Jim. I, but these things happen to me. This is true. Th- these things happen. You're a very lucky guy, Len. So the interesting thing about these rooms at Pop Century, a couple of things. One, they've completely torn up the carpet. It is all hardwood floors. And and I know Motel 6 did this a while back, and I mean that in a good way. Motel 6 is sort of has this test kitchen of hotel room designs that they that they go through. You can see one on, on International Drive. It's sort of like their laboratory for figuring out what comes next in hotel renovations. Anyway, the... This pop century room does a couple of interesting things. Way more storage, cubbies, hardwood floors. But like Art of Animation family suites, the second bed folds up into a table when it's not in use. Yeah. So that's that's super interesting for a couple of reasons. One, Mm -hmm. if it's only two adults in the room, you automatically get more space because there Mm -hmm. isn't that second bed. And you do get a place to work if you need it. But the other interesting thing is it looks like Disney bought pretty much every bathroom storage feature that Ikea sells. Because if you look at the bathrooms, it's completely redone. And there are shelves and cubby holes everywhere, every single place. You walk in and you know like immediately to the right when you walk in now, there's sort of like an open space where they've got the safe in the wall. Mm -hmm. Now they've got a floor to ceiling set of white laminated open cubbies. And then... On the side of that are more cubbies. The sink now has a, a, cut out b- a below the sink where there's another storage area for towels. But then in the back of the sink, where you used to have a very wide countertop, mm-hmm. you now have a half-width countertop, but there are two of them, so double the storage there. And then the rest of what used to be the area for like hanging clothes, and wherever they had the ironing board, now is is more cubbies. Cubbies everywhere, Jim. Cubbies everywhere.
1: Looking at these images, it's a highly functional space.
0: But I really like it. You think this is to compete with Cabana Bay?
1: Cabinet Bay is still, what, a good 20, 30 less per night than this?
0: Yeah, I think a, a 30 is probably closer on average, yeah. Okay. And Cabina Bay, I've talked to the people there. I've stayed there a couple of times over the last year. Every time mm-hmm. I talk to the front desk, they say they are 100% full every night. They said mm-hmm. it is exceptionally rare for them to be less than 95% full.
1: Well, that's why they're building those two brand new towers that are oh, be yeah. at the end of the Americana Wing and sort of overlook the Volcano Bay. Now, this is getting underway soon?
0: It starts in November. So I, think, I believe the permit starts in November, but it lasts 14 months. Mm. It goes through the end of 2017 for the refurbishment. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they've got several thousand rooms.
1: That makes sense. It's a nice, clean, functional design, and if you've said it there's a resort before, you can't argue the point that they've refreshed the rooms because this is a complete makeover.
0: No, no, no. It's a complete rethinking of the functionality of the hotel room, and I applaud Disney for doing it. Speaking of uh, changes at hotels or complete rethinking, there was the, the smell of diesel and the sound of bulldozers. Yeah. Over at uh, Fort Wilderness uh, last week, right?
1: My story of a speeding car and images falling out. The exact same thing I'm doing. But the images that I was given are behind the construction fence. I just sent you another pile of photos here, Len. They are, the dump trucks are back there. They are filling in upstream plunge.
0: Let me give a give a sense of how much dirt is involved in these photos. Oh, my it, God. The, the pile of dirt, first of all, the bulldozer is sitting on top of what has to be a mound of dirt, five feet high, stretching as back, as far as you can see. Mm-hmm. And the bulldozer is on top of it, essentially pushing the dirt towards this gaping hole in the ground filled with water.
1: The question came up, well, why now? Why are we suddenly doing all of this with the
0: pool? <laughs> yeah. and, and there was <laughs> a, a
1: one-word answer. One word. Yeah. It, it Zika. A day before I was contacted with these images... Over in Pinellas County in Tampa, the very first Zika case came across there. The thing that kind of terrified people is this wasn't a guy who traveled down to any of the infection zones in Miami. In fact, he was a a firefighter. And just today, the, the news broke that just a guy who went out in the yard and got... Stung And Disney and Universal and SeaWorld, because let's remember everybody now, suddenly, when you arrive at the parks, you hand over your tickets and say, hey, look at our complimentary table full of insect repellent that you may want to avail yourself to for no apparent reason whatsoever.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think what they might do is, you know, like when, they, uh, when you go through a car wash and they spray mm. wax on you to simonize the car?
1: Yeah. It's going to be like
0: that when you go through. They're going to have misters set up by the by the tap styles, and it's wow. going to be it's going to be the vague smell of lemon verbena off mm-hmm. as you go through it. And there's going to be no way around it. I think. Yeah, Disney's uh, mm-hmm. Disney's not fooling around. We are
1: starting to enter the time of year where temperatures cool, and as temperatures cool, particularly at night, the mosquito population starts to fall off.
0: Onto more interesting things, Jim. So this is a uh, this is our second show for September. There were a couple of classic Disney attractions in Walt Disney World that were opened in September of a given year. And we're going to talk about a couple of them today. And I was super excited when you uh, wrote these proposals because I don't think we've ever told these stories before. Which one do you want to talk about first?
1: Well, if you're trying to get away from Zika, you should probably go as far north as possible. And, and that brings us to Canada. As it turns out, on September 1st, 2007, the upgraded, improved, changed version of O Canada, that Circle Vision 360 film, opened uh, at the Canadian Pavilion at Epcot. Given that Walt actually traced his family roots back to Canada, his father, Elias, was, was actually born up there in February of 1859. Wow. Yeah, a teeny tiny town called Blue vale, Ontario. I'm sure that Walt would have had no problem with the company using this much time and all this technology to showcase where his family came from. I mean, he was very, very, very proud of his Canadian roots, and so much so in a 1963 interview with Fletcher Markle. Walt told this story about how he'd actually taken Lillian up to visit the old Disney homestead. And this is Walt's description from the interview that, you know, they, they wanted to find the place where his grandfather had gone out and cut the trees down and pulled the rocks apart. Mr. and Mrs. Disney make a special trip up to Bluevale. But since they've never been there before, Walt doesn't really know where the old homestead was or is. Okay. All he knows is what his dad has told him. And so his memories or his stories that he told Walt about where this house was in the wilderness were pretty vague.
0: Go to the moose and take a left. Yeah. And, and, Walk until you find the penguins.
1: And then when you factor in that Walt's father died in September of 41, so, and this is 15, 20 years later, you, you can see that this is a recipe for disaster. And they get directions to what they think is the right house. So he and Lillian, you know, hike out into the woods and they find his abandoned shack. And, and Walt tells the story about there are cows running through the house and chickens all around. But because he made this trip, he wants to prove to Roy that when they get back to Burbank that he actually went to the homestead, so he pulls out his brownie camera, and and again, quoting from Walter, I photographed that thing from every angle. (laughs) So they go back to California, he gets the pictures developed, he takes them down to Roy's office, and he's proudly describing and Roy's looking at these things, and it's like, you went to the wrong house.
0: How, how does Roy know?
1: Well, it, evidently, Roy had made the trip himself with his wife years earlier. And it's like, oh. no, 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 no. And so now Walt has to go home and tell Lillian. And again, quote, from Walter and Mrs. Disney never let me forget it.
0: <laughs> exactly. He <laughs> would
1: tell that story to everyone, how Walt, he <laughs> went up to Canada and photographed the wrong house. <laughs> to get back to why Walt is talking with Fletcher Markle from the CBC in 63, he's on okay. a business trip up in Canada. If this business trip had gone the way Walt had hoped, the company would have moved its entirely different direction, which would have allowed Disney to create standalone attractions outside of its theme parks. At the 1958 World's Fair in Brussels, the U.S. Pavilion, at Walt's urging, has a Circle Vision 360 film called America the Beautiful. Walt really you know, wants to keep this thing prominent. So what he does is the very next year, there's an American national exhibition that's held, if you can believe it, in Moscow. I mean, this is the depths of the Cold War land.
0: Do you know how bugged?
1: <laughs> so, But this is the venue that he wants to show America the Beautiful in. Two years later, at the International Expo in Turin, and this is as in the Shroud of Turin, Turin land. Mm-hmm. They're never getting that stain out. We have Walt Disney Production produces a brand new uh, Circle Vision 360 film called Italia 61. Really?
0: Italia 61?
1: I would love to see this. For one thing, it's sponsored by Fiat. You're on a driving tour of Italy. From the early 1960s. And you travel all the way from the harbor in Genoa all the way to the top of Mount Vesuvius. Somebody's got to dig this wow. out. I get to see this at some point.
0: It, it's, on, it's on YouTube, Jim. <laughs> is it really? Oh. It is. Okay. All right. I'll do okay. the show notes.
1: <laughs> okay. We got to go check this out. Uh, all right.
0: All right. Go. Anyway.
1: But Walt really feels that Circle Vision is yet to reach its full potential. So as, as the 50s give way to, to the 60s, Walt's looking for other venues where these nine screen movies can be shown, which, again, brings it back to Fletcher Markle. You know, the reason he's there in 63 to be interviewed by the CBC is that Walt has journeyed up to Ontario to meet with the folks who have just finished building the Seagram's Tower. Oh, OK. All right. Built in 61, definitely envisioned as a tourist attraction. I had an indoor observation deck, there was a restaurant, there was a wedding chapel, along with a hotel with a wide variety of wedding suites. But when it opens in 62, it's really not doing the business that the developers had hoped for, which is where Walt comes in. He shows up in the early 63. He meets with Franklin Miller, who's the mayor of Niagara Falls, as well as the city father. And from Walt's point of view, the problem with the Seagram Tower is they just focused the project too narrowly. They've zeroed in on honeymooners. And admittedly, that used to make up a lot of the tourist trade for this spot in Ontario. But... There's a far larger group of people who travel Canada every year not to get hitched, but they just want to see the falls. What Walt tells the people who were in the Secret how to do is that what if we put a new Disney-designed tourist attraction at the base of your 30-story building? Tell you what, it's not one attraction, it's two attractions. On one side of the structure, you'd actually been able to experience the flight to the moon ride from Disneyland because honeymooners, you flight to the moon, you know. Yeah, okay. Uh, Whereas on the other side, you have a Circle Vision 360 theater, which Walt would then have a film made that would give you this spectacular up-close look at the Niagara Falls. The movie would discuss the history, would recreate memorable moments. But thanks to the the skill of the studio's cinematographers, Mm -hmm. people would be able to experience the falls in a way that even the folks who get on the Maid of the Mist and get right up close to the falls could never experience. What Walt was... Planning for the base of the Seagram's Tower was actually the first of a series of standalone Circle Vision 360 theaters. Uh, he was looking to do a second one, uh, for example, uh, right at the edge of the Grand Canyon and do pretty much the same thing.
0: It's not a bad idea because if you've ever been to like a national park like Yellowstone, there's no way that you can take in the size or the scope of Yellowstone. Even if you walked all day, yep. and to do it in a three hundred sixty degree film, three hundred sixty degree film, is different than what you can get in you know in your own house, obviously. Mm-hmm. But it would also allow you to say, okay, you know, here are two scenes from the movie that I really really want to see. Let's hop in the car and drive over to that particular part of the park. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay,
1: if I got to sit down once with John Hinch and He was talking about what Walt wanted to do with this. And it was actually a fascinating plan. He wanted to build upwards of 12 to 15 of these things around the country. Some of them, for example, would be located in places that already had strong tourist trade, places like Gettysburg. And you could be in the middle of the battle. Same thing with Concord and Lexington. In fact, I guess Walt had already identified that 1976, the American Bicentennial, there was going to be this great surge in history. But at the same time, he, was, he looked at markets like New York, Chicago, San Francisco, and figured that some of the most popular sequences of the Circle Vision, America the Beautiful, it was like, well, what if we spent 20 minutes just exploring Manhattan? And, you yeah. know, put a little Times Square and, you know, just gave them a taste
0: of the city. But all the guys on 53rd and 6th, I mean, <laughs> yeah. the classics.
1: What Walt proposed doing was he wanted to capture both the tourist trade and the locals. And so the idea was the schedule would be that during the day at, say, let's go back to the, the Niagara Falls facility, you'd show the Niagara Falls film. So the tourists could come and experience all this history, all these wonderful views of the the falls. And then, at, however, starting at about five or six o'clock at night, you'd change out the film. And if you were local, you could go and see, for one week only, the Gettysburg film was showing, or the the Manhattan film was showing, or the Disneyland film was showing. So, you know, you could experience these amazing travel logs. To Walt's way of thinking, it was a twofer. You got the tourist trade, and you build up a steady local clientele. And then you, you created this reason to continue to make these movies because they, they weren't cheap.
0: I mean, it, it sounds to me like he's he's like 20 years ahead of IMAX at this point.
1: In fact, this is the IMAX business plan before there was an IMAX. This standalone Circle Vision 360 theater chain idea mm-hmm. is coming through Disney's development pipeline at one of the busiest times in the company's history. If you think back to 63, stu- this is when the studio <laughs> oh, was making – Mary Poppins, <laughs> yeah. this is when Wed's in the middle of making four new shows for the 64 World's Fair, and Walt is well into the development
0: of Project Florida. We're coming up on Disneyland's 10th anniversary, I mean, just, uh, just, yeah, everybody everybody who can do anything is working.
1: Yeah. And so, depending on who you talk to, on the Disney side, they say, well, they weren't all that interested. And if you talk to the folks in Niagara, they're like, well, our hesitation was, Walt wanted a really big licensing fee for us to do this. And, you know, we weren't entirely sure it was going to work. But because they kind of came to loggerheads on this, the project just didn't move forward. And, and Walt... Just, you know, moved on to the next obvious logical opportunity to to showcase Circle Vision, figuring, okay, if these guys don't get it, I'll keep putting it out there. And in this case, this was Expo 64. Walt Disney is producing these four shows for the uh, 1964, 1965 New York World's Fair, which people don't remember wasn't actually an official authorized World Fair because Robert Moses kind of broke a lot of the rules. And so the folks who actually staged these expositions were like, okay, fine, you're going to do that. We're going to stage a real you know, World's Fair elsewhere. And that was the Swiss National Expo of 1964, which was held in Vidi, Switzerland, from April 30th through October 25th, 1964. And Walt, pretty much if you were the one who agreed to pay the money to make the movie, he'd make the 360 film, From your company's angle. And in this case, it was the Swiss Federal Rail System that decided that they, okay, sure, we'll pay to make a Circle Vision 360 film. So that's how we wound up with Magic of the Rails, which was this sort of the view out your train window, 365 degrees as you traveled through the nation of Switzerland.
0: What? Magic of the Rails? Switzerland? Magic of the Rails. We're watching so much YouTube this week, Jim.
1: Yep. Films very well received. So if you actually talk with the folks about Expo 67, it was the the, the single most successful World's Fair of the 20th century. It made money hand over fist. It was hugely popular. There hasn't been a show that's equaled it since. The Expo 67 folks, the folks who were organizing this event, had heard about how well Magic of the Rails was received. And so they turned to Disney and said, look, we want a nine screen show that pays tribute to the beauty and the natural wonder of of Canada. And so they created a Circle Vision show called Canada 67, I want to say. This is really the one, and I'm not just talking the revised version, the one that debuted in 82. This was really just kind of an updated version of what they had done in 67. In the mid-1970s, when they're developing Epcot, mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff to do. Pavilions to design and sponsors to chase down. And The thinking was that this show had been so successful and Canada was coming in as a pavilion sponsor. It's like, why are we busting our chops here? Why are we trying to reinvent the wheel? People mm-hmm. loved that Circle Vision show that we did for Expo 67. Right. And the only people who saw it were the people who were up there for the 186-day run of the fair. So why don't we just do another one of those?
0: <laughs> I know I know, we say this all the time, Jim, but no idea ever dies in the Disney company. <laughs> it's true. But, you
1: know, if you Google Expo 67 right now, and the first image that will undoubtedly come up is the massive geodesic dome that Buckminster Fuller designed. This is the thing that housed the United States Pavilion that
0: year. Uh I'm <laughs> yes. at Jim. The, uh, see? Okay. <laughs> kind of awkward. <laughs> 1978,
1: and and take a look at the version of Spaceship Earth that's uh, sitting on the ground. That's a geodesic dome.
0: <laughs> I, I, we should do a show on this, Jim. <laughs> you look at the other buildings. I mean, one of them looks like Space Mountain. One yeah. of them looks like the Living Seas. One of them looks like the Imagination Pavilion. Oh, this is awkward. Oh, Jim, 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 Jim. Oh, one of them looks like World of Motion. Oh, my God. We have to do a show on this. (laughs) Wow. I feel dirty just looking at these photos.
1: (laughs) There's a reason that Epcot Spaceship Earth and Expo 67's United States Pavilion look alike. The structural designs of both of these buildings were actually done by Simmons, Gupturiz, and Hager of Boston, Massachusetts. If you want to get into bragging rights territory, it's it's worth noting that the geodesic dome the United States was housed in, it was both bigger. It's 250 feet in diameter versus 165 feet in diameter than Spaceship Earth. And it's taller. The United States is 200 feet tall versus the EPCOT, you know, the, the golf ball, which is 180 feet tall. Not to really be mean here, but it was Buckminster Fuller, not the Imagineers, who came up with the name Spaceship Earth. But really, I didn't know that he used it in the title of his 1968 book, The Operating Manual for Spaceship Earth.
0: Uh, I did know that. Yeah, yeah, I did know that. Yeah, Yeah, and
1: and the conceit of this book is that we have to think of our planet as this huge vessel hurtling through space, which only has a finite amount of onboard resources, and it's not like we can pull over and and restock. You know, we have to make do with what we have.
0: Jim, we have to do a a show on Expo 67. All right, I promise we will circle back on this. There are so many similarities. All right, anyway. All right, we got like two minutes left on this one, Jim.
1: So, they've done Tour of the West. They've done america the beautiful they've done magic of the rails and italia 61 and walt has begun to notice that the films all kind of look the same
0: that's one of the downsides to the the circle vision 360 films
1: so what winds up happening is that about the same time walt gets an invitation to become the parade marshal for the calgary stampede 10 day long rodeo held up in alberta Sure. Walt's really not familiar with it. What is the Calgary Stamping? I mean, he's seen stuff on television and maybe a newsreel, and somebody says, wait a minute. this this guy who made this movie. His name is Robert Barkley. And in fact, Glenn, another thing for you to look on YouTube right now, it's called Chuck Wagon. Uh, it's a nine minute long uh, movie that actually puts you right in the middle of the Calgary Stampede. Gives you a real sense of this event.
0: Isn't there a Calgary Stampede sequence in the Canada film? Awkward. Awkward.
1: Okay, so they show the film for Walt, and Walt turns to his secretary, Tommy Wilson, and says, okay, first of all, call the people in Alberta, tell them I'll be happy to be the parade marshal. Second of all, get a hold of this Robert Barkley guy, the guy who did Chuck Wagon. I think I have a job for him. And <laughs> he ends up doing The Circle Vision movie. They they bring an outsider in who, you know, he's a Canadian and he spends nine months collecting all the footage for this thing. And it's called Canada 67, which is screened at Expo 67. Sadly, Walt never gets to see the finished product, because of course doesn't start till April of '67. He gets to see, I guess, a, a work in progress of the thing. But we lose Walt in December of '66. Mm-hmm. One final note: you know, I had always heard that this Disney produced. CircleVision project only aired at Expo 67, but that turns out not to be true. That in the late 70s, during a time when Disneyland always had low attendance right after Christmas. So the months from January to March, they always struggled to get people you know, to locals to come through the door. So Disney began doing these these weekend-long celebrations Or they'd be like Festival Japan or Festival Mexico, where for one day they'd redecorate the park, there'd be flags, there'd be international foods and, you know, that sort of thing. And and it turns out in 1974, when they did this, and the one weekend was Festival Canada. And so they bring in Anne Murray and they bring in the Buffalo... Songbird of Canada. Songbird of Canada and the Buffalo Children's Society dancers. But what they also do for that weekend, one, two days only, they pull America the Beautiful out of the theater and they put in Canada 67. So people can actually see this movie again. And this is when the folks from WED come down and take a look at it again and go, oh, well, hell, yeah, we should definitely do that at Epcot. But do they reach out to Robert Barkley that's a story we'll get into in the next part of this storyline.
0: Oh, this is fantastic. So many things. Jim, do me a favor. Can you send me a, um, names of all of the films? I'll put them in the show notes. I'll do that now. All going to start doing a uh, YouTube stuff. All right, fa- fantastic. And we really have to do a show on Expo '67, even if it's just a quick tour of the architecture of the pavilions. Because I'm My looking God. at this, going, this is the Imagination Pavilion. This is the Old World of Motion. This is the you know, Spaceship Earth. Let's let's talk about that.
1: Given as mad as we'll probably make the people in our imaginary by doing this, I think we should do this in the Zika-free bunker that you and I are building in <laughs> Canada.
0: So <laughs> mosquitoes won't protect us where we're going, Jim. All right, you've been listening to the Disney Dish podcast with Jim Hill. We are produced, fabulously by my dad, by one Aaron Adams. Please go on to iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play and rate our show and tell us what you would like to hear next. Don't forget we've got a live show coming up in New York City on November 12th. You can get all of the information at etccustomevents.com. For Jim, this is Len. We will see you on the next show.